Hello and welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. Our mission, to make government contracts better, one contract at a time. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. Today's episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition Solutions. If you're looking for help in the government market, visit skywayacquisition.com to see how their team of experts can help you know more, do more, and win more in the government contracting market. Today's topic is discussions, or how the government can negotiate with contractors right in the middle of a competition. Let's get started. Hey, Kevin. Today, we're going to talk about discussions. We are. Discussions are the government contract term for negotiations. This is during the source selection, and it's important to understand how they work and how they don't in the government market because it's a little bit different than how they are in the commercial This idea of doing this podcast came from a a listener who had listened to the Competitive Range Determination podcast and said, wow, the next paragraph is a discussions paragraph. Can you talk about that? (laughs) Here we are. So when does this happen in the acquisition time zones? This is the zone four, the source selection zone. And like you said, it's negotiations, but it's not like negotiations in the commercial world. There's actually some rules that apply here. So let's go right to far time to describe this. FAR 15306D says exchanges with offers after establishment of the competitive range. Negotiations are exchanges in either a competitive or sole source environment with the intent of allowing the offer to revise its proposal. I'm reading like in a very teachery kind of way there. That's weird. (laughs) So negotiations can actually include bargaining. And according to the FAR, Bargaining includes persuasion, alterations of assumptions and positions, give and take. You can talk about price, schedule, technical requirements. You can talk about the type of contract or whatever term of the proposed contract that you can think of. And and remember, we talked about this in uh, podcast number seven and 34, the idea that a contracting officer has wide latitude to use sound business judgment and This is one of those moments where you can use the latitude in negotiations and discussions. So maybe that's why in the the requirements to be a contracting officer, there's generally some business education required. Sound business judgment is required of contracting officers. Let me set the stage here. The government has released a request for proposal. Industry has responded to that with proposals. Government has completed their initial evaluations of those proposals. And at this point, they're deciding whether or not to establish a competitive range and move on to discussions or not to have discussions. And that competitive range, if you go back to a previous episode. Podcast number 30. <laughs> thank you. We, we talk all about the competitive range, how it's established. The thing you need to know about competitive range is this is the government's opinion of who is most likely to be able to win the award. They can go – at this point, the government can negotiate with those that they consider to still be competitive in that range, and they can negotiate to get closer to what they're looking for in case there are any misunderstandings, we'll say, in the process. So back to the FAR. FAR 15306D has five paragraphs. We're going to call these the five elements of discussions. I'm going to read each paragraph, and then we'll talk a little bit about each one as we go. So 15306D, paragraph 1, says discussions are tailored to each offer's proposal 
and must be conducted by the CO with each offer within the competitive range. So you, you can't just go to discussions with one offer. If you, if, if you have three people in your competitive range, three companies in your competitive range, you have to go to discussions with all three of them. And, and this is why it's so important to consider who makes the competitive range. Uh, the, the phrase of when in doubt, keep them out sounds brutal. But if you have to have negotiations with everybody in the competitive range, really only keep the people in there who have a chance to win. Uh, it's painful. If for real, have a chance to win. Not yes. maybe could win. All all fifteen of the offers could maybe <laughs> win. But how many really win? Like the top two or three, probably. Yeah, and and it's painful as an offer when you realize why well, we can't we didn't make the competitive range. And what that means is that you can't catch up. And while that's that tends to lock tends to drive people to lock horns, and I get that because we're all competitive. But realize that this goes back to the targeting targeting thing is if you can't catch up. Why spend the time? Let's move on. And the, but the government needs to show them why they can't catch up. So, and, and, and for example, I'll just throw some. There are certain contracting officers have used the phrase, your proposal is weak relative to other offers. If you think somebody's going to be okay with that and like walk away mm-hmm. based on that phrase, they're not going to do that, right? Because they're, they're like, well, what does weak mean? How am I going to deal with this? So giving them an example of, your, and we can get into the, the nuts and bolts of this later, the basic idea of, Make sure they understand I can't catch up. You want them to go, okay, this sucks, but I I have no chance to win and move on. So what's number two before I keep going? So paragraph one says who you're going to go to discussions with, and that's everyone within the competitive range. Paragraph two says the primary objective of discussions is to maximize the government's ability to obtain best value based on the requirement and the evaluation factors set forth in the solicitation. So that's why you're going to discussions, to try to get the best value out of it. And this is also where it talks about the government must follow what's in Section L and what's in the actual uh, RFP. Yeah, you can't go rogue here on the RFP. The RFP still <laughs> rules. And, and here's the fun part. is that, Well, fun in a, in a you know, tongue-in-cheek kind of way. Best value is subjective. And just to footstomp this, price will always be a factor. And so there's there's that continuum in the best value world between price and performance. It's very difficult to describe that in sections L and M in the RFP. It's hard to describe that. This is a chance where a government can help refine that understanding with industry, so that industry has a better idea of what really is the best value to the government. What are they looking for? Lower price, better performance. Where's the sweet spot? And particularly rel- think about where you are. You're in competitive range, which means you have other offers. This is not, not a pie in the sky. We think what's going to happen. You've got three offers, all of whom could be good, good uh, contractors for you. So now you're able to take in real context. We go back to our, our, our marketing story in I don't know, one of our free, previous podcasts about the difference between direct primary market, uh, market research where you've got actual data. You've got three proposals. Negotiate from those three proposals and you're going to get a much better product as opposed to skipping this whole process and hoping that you read everything correctly. Paragraph one is the who you go to discussions with. Paragraph two is the why to get best value. We get to paragraph three and it says, this is the, this is the what part at a minimum, the CEO must discuss deficiencies, significant weaknesses and adverse past performance information to which the offer has not yet had an opportunity to respond. So that, that tells you the CO has to tell you things that make you unawardable, significant weaknesses in your proposal or your approach, 
And I have to tell you, if if anyone said anything bad about you in past performance and you haven't had a chance to address that, this gives you a chance to tell them your side of the story. There's always two sides, actually three sides, yours, mine, and the truth. But <laughs> there's always more than one side to every story. Significant weakness can be subjective or it can be very clearly defined in the RFP what will be considered a significant weakness. But it's it's good to note here that the FAR doesn't say that every single weakness has to be discussed. Just the significant ones, the ones that are really going to make a difference. The FAR continues to say the CO is also encouraged to discuss other aspects of the offer's proposal that could be altered or explained to enhance the proposal's potential for award. So you don't have to discuss everything that could be improved, but you're encouraged as a CO to discuss anything that they could improve to make the proposal better. And the last sentence of this exciting paragraph is (laughs) – the scope and extent of discussions are a matter of contracting officer judgment. Oh, there's that phrase again, right out of FAR 1.6. We talk about that all the time. Is this is business judgment? So understanding how this process works, understand that there are. This is one of those parts that's going to be based on the contracting officer's judgment. So they're not going to call out every single thing that you may have done well or not so well. They're going to pick the ones that, in the context of negotiations, make sense. So a lot of judgment, a lot, a lot of leverage. What, what's the word? Latitude, there it is. A lot of latitude there. (laughs) So what's paragraph four? Paragraph four says, in discussing other aspects of the proposal, the government may, in situations where the solicitation stated that evaluation credit would be given for technical solutions exceeding any mandatory minimums, negotiate with offers for increased performance beyond any mandatory minimums, and the government may suggest to offers that have exceeded mandatory minimums in ways that are not integral to the design that their proposals would be more competitive if the excesses were removed and the offer price decreased. So that's great far language. I'm sorry, what did you say? I was sleeping. Yeah, I should have paraphrased. (laughs) The government, best value, right? More, higher price, better performance, lower price, lower performance possibly. Where is that sweet spot? This is where if... Industry has slanted to the higher-priced, higher-performance side. The government can say, that's too much. You're way over what we need. Let's bring that back. Here's the sweet spot. This is where we want to be performance-wise. What's the price for that? Or they can say, that's way too expensive. What can I get if the price was down in this range? Where's the technical side? That, that where, what performance could I get? And this is really effective when you have objectives and thresholds. So – the, the user wants a motorcycle that goes 100 miles an hour. And industry says, oh, yeah, we can build that, but it's going to be you know $50,000 a pop. You're like, ooh, wow, okay. Um, How much is 80 the, miles an hour? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So keep in mind, that's, a, that's a, a threshold versus objective. The threshold may have been 50 miles an hour. And I've had this happen before where the customer wanted a Lamborghini. We proposed for a Lamborghini, and I said, well, you know, let's use a threshold. So we went somewhere between a Chevy and a Lamborghini. When the, all the offers came in, there's no way they could afford the Lamborghini. It's not what they needed. It's what they wanted, right? During negotiations or in discussions, you can throw all that back to like a, you know, a Cadillac, which is still a whole lot nicer than the Chevy you started with. But that kind of give and take works, but it doesn't you know, work in five minutes. Yeah, the think. government may have all these dreams about this, this Lamborghini that they want, but it's not until they see the eye-watering price for this Lamborghini <laughs> that – that they say, well, all right, so we really didn't need all that stuff. This is the opportunity in discussions to dial that back and 
get them to what they can afford that meets their needs or find out that they can't afford what meets their needs. And, and in an austere budget environment, as the phrase people use now, this stuff, kind of, this stuff does come up. So be, be aware that this is something that can happen during negotiations is that we thought that we could afford it. Mm, turns out we can't. And you can fix that here. Instead of your other option is, oh, crap, scrap the whole source selection. Let's start over. Okay, that's not really a great solution. <laughs> you can work through that in negotiations. All right, last element. Let's run through. I'll run through the five again. First paragraph says who's in the competitive range. The second paragraph says you're trying to get best value. The third one describes what you're going to discuss, what you have to discuss, and encourages you to discuss everything that could help offers uh, have a better chance for award. Paragraph four says this is where the you can play with the give and take on the best value continuum. And the last paragraph, and this is a good one. This is my favorite. <laughs> If, after discussions have begun, an offer originally in the competitive range is no longer considered to be among the most highly rated offers, that offer may be eliminated from the competitive range whether or not they've, you've talked about all of their proposal and whether or not you let them submit a final proposal revision. So that says if you get to negotiations and you get to a stalemate or you learn that they're not going to be able to meet that sweet spot in the best value continuum at a competitive price – and you know you have other offers that can, you don't have to carry them on in the competition. You don't have to waste your time evaluating more proposals. You don't have to waste their time writing a proposal revision. You can just bloop, be done with it. And, and this is one of those that from a, again, it sucks to lose. I get it. That's the, once you get past that emotional gate, the amount of effort it can take to write a final proposal revision is depending on, even if it's a small contract, it's, still, it's a lot of work, right? Would you want to do that on something that you don't really have that much chance to win? And, and as, as candid as that may sound, and as a contracting officer, this is another time that you can say, you know, when in doubt, kick him out. Because after negotiations, this company came down 10% in, in price, but raised their capability by 20% because they're able to do something, right? And this company over here adjusted their past performance record, so now we understand what they did. And this guy, he just lowered his price by 3%. So by comparison, it's not worth it for him to get, send us the final proposal revision. Yeah, and from the industry side, don't make me spend another five thousand or twenty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars submitting a proposal revision for something that I don't have a chance to win. If I don't have a chance to win, tell me that. Let me out of my misery right then. Yeah, and, and particularly as as a small company, five thousand dollars or just these are people, right? So just spending another another yet another weekend working on a proposal at the last minute. <laughs> on something that you can't win, this is no fun. It's the kind of stuff that drives people out of doing government contracts. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. All right, we've talked about what can be done during negotiations, during discussions, as the government calls it. The FAR also tells you what you can't do. 15306E is called limits on exchanges, and it says that government personnel involved in the acquisition shall not engage in conduct that, and again, there's five paragraphs, not related to the first five paragraphs, but there's five, much faster this time. One, you can't favor one offer over another. You can't do a whole lot of work helping one offer make their proposal better and just kind of ignore the others and, and get the one you want that way. That's not fair at all. Paragraph two, you can't reveal an offer's technical solution, so anything unique they've done 
or intellectual property, you can't tell that to the other offers and say, hey, these guys are doing something really neat. Can you do that? Or, hey, here's their secret sauce. Use that in your solution. Can't do that. Not fair. The third paragraph, third thing you can't do, you can't tell offers another offerer's price unless you get permission to do that from the offer whose price you want to release. You can tell people that their price is too high or too low or extremely high or unrealistically low. You you can and should tell them, show them the analysis that you did as the government to get to that conclusion that the price was too high or too low. And this is why in a in a uh, the letter that comes from the contracting officer will say things like, "Your price is high relative to other offers," because that's what they're allowed to say. Yeah. It's, it's it, it may be it. And I had it during a debriefing once. Somebody said, "Well, if it's only like five dollars." less than you know it seems like it's not really fair I'm like if it's one dollar it's lower it's like i can't tell you it was five dollars or it was five hundred dollars or it was five thousand dollars i just told you it was it was your price was high so understand that it's not because they're trying to be cryptic and keep that information from you it's this this yeah. is that farsight that says they can't give you the exact price yeah you can give modifiers like extremely high slightly high you can help ridiculously them high <laughs> all right so fourth paragraph if you're talking about past performance information and you're asking for industry side of the story, you know, what happened? Why did the government give you a bad past performance rating here? You can't tell them who wrote that particular past performance evaluation. You can't give them the names of that person so they can go hunt them down and say, you're ruining my life. <laughs> the last thing you can't do during these negotiations, these exchanges, is you can't knowingly furnish source selection information in violation of the Procurement Integrity Act. And that, that's kind of a catch-all because there's a lot of stuff in there. That's like the, the their, their trade secrets. There's all kinds of stuff that's in that bucket. But basically, don't talk a whole lot about what the other companies do. Yeah, do yeah if you're going to sum up what you can and can't do, you can talk to an offer about their proposal and help their proposal better meet the RFP criteria. You can't talk about other offers and how they plan to meet it and how not. So as long as you stick with talking to that offer about their proposal only – you're in good shape. Well said. Why is this so important, Kevin? This is important. This is communication. I don't think a lot of people know that the government can negotiate during a source selection. Lots of time discussions are so formal, and it's these, these questions come out of the government when you're on the industry side that are so specific, and, and you can only provide a very tiny little answer. No. It's rare that you actually sit down and negotiate, but that's what the FAR says you're allowed to do. And effective negotiations, they save time. Think about how they play out. Is it's, it's, it's back to that communication thing. Uh, when both the buyer and the seller know the results, you're minimizing the conflict. Negotiation can feel very conflict-heavy, but compared to, oh, crap, we got the wrong contractor – that's a whole lot more conflict. Yeah, you're going to have a better chance of awarding to the guy that has the best chance of performing. That's that's the main reason why the government should care. This is this is something that is not used in as great a depth as it should be in my experience. And if it's done poorly, here's to to footstop. It's not it's not all uh, <laughs> it's not all flowers and roses. And if it's not done right, you end up with contractors feel like you wasted their time because they feel like it was a sham they just you kept them in the competitive range just because and again i've seen those uh where there are lots obviously lots of people in the competitive range and, and industry talks so they know what's going on um or or 
the perception is you're just trying to grind them down on price. The only reason you're having a, a competitive range determination and having discussions is you're just trying to get a better price. Right. And if you ha- if you had a competition, they're already bidding a competitive price. They really are. And, and this is yeah, this is an important one because if if you said we intend to go into discussions, but you won't make the competitive range if you wait for that point to give us your best price. Just put that sentence in your RFP, and that way somebody says, "Oh, well, I would have I would have negotiated that during discussions." You know what? There are six other companies that were like thirty percent lower than you that they made it to discussions you didn't. Um, and the the big thing is you got to make sure that they feel they're getting a fair chance to win. I.e., they're going to protest if they don't. They're not going to. They could protest if they don't feel like they got a fair chance, and that's why negotiations is important to do. But understand that it, you should care about this because it can help you a lot. I remember one case where. From the industry side, the government took us to discussions, and all they really wanted to talk about was profit. That technically, you know, we were pretty sure that that technically we had won, but the government thought that we were asking for too much profit. So even though it was competitively bid, they took that opportunity to negotiate profit. And you know what? We came down on on profit. The government got a better deal, but since we were still in that competitive mode. We really felt like if we didn't negotiate with them, we might not win the award. And, and you may have heard me tell the story the couple of times this happened where a, a company had, had several companies in the competitive range. And the company that was already lowest price happened to have the, te- the best technical approach. And I told the other companies relative to, to, uh, relative to competition, your price is high. And they lowered their price by like 3%. Well, the company that was already ahead, I, I didn't tell them anything about price and they lowered it even more. This happened actually twice and it's because they they really wanted to win the work oops you tricked now, this, them no well, and, 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 <laughs> I mean, you, you could be cynical and say i left money on the table but as a contracting officer it's like there's not a whole lot of downside to doing discussions from the industry side why should industry care about this it's not in my experience discussions are not done well often and i'm going to say that from my experience as a contracting officer too i did not conduct discussions very well Industry needs to understand what can and can't be done during negotiations. This isn't like negotiations in the commercial world. There is a structure to how it is done. You have to understand the government isn't going to be able to tell you exactly where you are with regard to the other offer's price. You, don't, you wouldn't want them to share your price with other folks while they're doing discussions. Understand you're not going to get other offer's price out of the government. And the final point that I think we should cover here, Kevin, discussions can save time after award. Taking the time to make sure that both sides are communicating. We always talk about this. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Making sure that everyone understands exactly what's being proposed helps the government make a better award decision. And a better award decision can lead to less contract administration nightmares. It can lead to less technical performance issues because everybody knows exactly what to expect. So one hour of time spent working on discussions could save hours and hours and hours and days and months and years possibly <laughs> after award. If you, just, just taking the time to make sure you're awarding to the, the, the company that has the best chance of meeting your requirements. <laughs> That's a good closing note. All right, let's wrap this up. Thanks for joining us today. If you like the CO podcast, please tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to spread 
the word. Word of mouth is the best way to spread the word about the CO podcast. We're giving away this information for free, so please help people find it. Telling, <laughs> telling them about it. Remember, send us your topics. We get all kinds of topics, including this one, from listeners like yourself. Send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Let me know if there's something that you want to hear about. And lastly, if you need help with the government market, you can join the Skyway Connection community. Just go to skywayacquisition.com or go to the, the skywayacquisition.com slash connect to learn about the community. We're here to help you. If you're having trouble in the market, that's why we exist, is to help companies navigate this space. And if you'd like, we also have some free webinars. So go to skywayacquisition.com slash free webinar. And they're running about once a month. All right, nice. thanks so much. <laughs> have a good day. All right, talk to you later, Kevin. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me a note at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. 